0: How you doing,
1: Bubba? This is LoFi fi Lit today with Kevin Gonzalez. He's the founder and creator of Back Patio Press, where they publish essays, writings, poems, and they throw big parties. And here we go. Kevin, where do you, your, 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 your speech, you your slang, like you say, like Bubba, sound kind of like a hip Iron Chic. Like, is this something that you created yourself? Or is it something that, like, comes from where you were, like, born?
0: Um, I think a lot of my slang comes from being born in the rural south and then also growing up mixed with like growing up in a lot of hip hop. So it's like rural southern slang mixed with like urban, maybe more urban slang.
1: Nice. Have you ever like uh, written like a rap?
0: Uh, An embarrassing number. Yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah, it was SoundCloud
0: rapper before Indie Poet for sure.
1: Have you ever mixed the two?
0: yeah um i i help a lot of like local border rappers right sometimes like, like I'd, be, I'd be in their dms like i kind of fuck with that and we'll talk a little bit and throw a couple verses back and forth
1: who's like the best underground like hip-hop right now yeah
0: i don't know i don't like any of the new shit like at all New hip-hop's really... It's it's like one of those boomer-ass, like, my generation did it better takes, but new hip-hop is, like, genuinely trash as fuck. It's really bad.
1: Did you see the new Ninja Turtles? No, I didn't.
0: Okay. But I do like the animation style. I've I've liked the animation style a lot, and I'm glad to see the West kind of picking up on adult animation where the rest of the world's already been for the last, like, 10 years. So it's good to see. I don't really fuck with the Ninja Turtles specifically as, like, N.I.P., but the animation was really pretty, and I'm glad people are watching it, whatever it is, animation just in general.
1: Because it felt like kind of a new, like, there's a hip-hop twist to it, I guess. Or not twist, but, okay. like, aesthetic to it. Yeah,
0: okay. Like, with, like, the, like, kind of cutty animation that was prevalent in Spider-Verse.
1: With the dialogue, and I guess, like, you could say they were the Ninja Turtles were black, I would say that.
0: Okay. Fuck fuck yeah. We love a black
1: Ninja Turtle.
0: Like originally I want to say like part of their background, I think they were typically supposed to be like more urban, right?
1: Yeah. They come from New York and everything.
0: Yeah. So we had Ninja Turtles and Static Shock for 90s African American superheroes. Ninja Turtles and Static Shock.
1: Static Shock was a... I don't know that one.
0: Static Shock went fucking crazy. Let me see when it actually came out.
1: Were you born in mid 90s?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm 96.
1: Oh, nice. You're young.
0: Yeah. Well, at least someone will fucking tell me that. Everyone just keeps telling me I'm old now. You're right. Well,
1: who says that? Know. Young people. Who think How was your mom's birthday? Huh? Your mom just had a birthday, and you yeah. were, like, doing a family reunion. How did that go? It
0: was so good. We went out to um, brunch today, and there's nothing I like more than watching middle-aged white women drink mimosas at one in the afternoon. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. She's really cute. She's a really cute woman.
1: Well, that's nice of my you mom. say about yeah. your parents. Just the any... one. The other one
0: sucks, but she's
1: cool. You have two moms?
0: <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking wish my, my dad, the other parent. Uh, the other donor.
1: Yeah. Were there any arguments or fights?
0: Oh, incessantly. Yeah. Like the oh. a lot of people look at me and don't really uh see like a Latino, but I'd say like I had a very machismo Latino dad and a lot of that comes with a lot of like toxic masculinity and generational trauma from like my abuelo down in Miami. Pass it on to my dad that would bring it to us and it's whatever. Every every family's got their generational trauma going on. It feels like.
1: Did you grow up in Florida? Yep. Yep,
0: I was born in Kissimmee or Poinciana. I moved to St. Cloud and I'm then Orlando. Like a lot of people, when you hear Orlando, a lot of people can picture Orlando. I grew up on like the cyst, like the redneck cyst of Orlando. Like it's cancerous
1: appendage. So, are you more redneck or like? Yeah, than, I, have that machismo.
0: Yeah, probably. Like even my dad went from being Carlos to Carl. Like. Uh. <laughs> I think uh, uh, the environment can do that to just about anybody. Like where I'm from is like the sticks, like the sticks, like our local, like our big restaurant, the big fancy restaurant is a Chili's. Yeah. That's as bougie as it gets.
1: Do Chili. you think the, the writing, the indie writing community is too white?
0: Um, You know, I think about that. And I think about how Back Patio has almost exclusively published straight white men. And I probably, yeah. I mean, I I would say probably, but I just don't really care that much. Like, I wish there, I don't know if it's a lack of minority voices or if it's a lack of promotion of minority voices or if it's just there's so many white people that they get drowned out. I mean, I'd like to see more. Uh, I'd like to see more minority voices for sure. Because every like every time I see a picture of a poet who I've never seen a picture of, I'm like, that's yep,
1: another white person. There's, there's another one.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. He looks just like me and the last guy and the next guy. Yeah.
1: So your upbringing you're talking about it was b- very macho. Would you like get in fights and shit?
0: Yeah. So like since I was like three or four years old, my dad like wanted me to play every single sport. Like I played football, baseball, basketball, wrestling. I did MMA, jujitsu. All of it. Yeah, all of it up until I was 16. And uh, he's like dedicated to working out like my dad, like very, he looks like a jacked Cuban dad, you know, Mm -hmm. like when they see like a dorky ass, like now scrawny me, it's very difficult to see like where the genetic similarities come intact. Yeah, I spent like my entire childhood up until I was probably 16, 17 just playing sports like i would ask for like a rock tumbler for christmas or like an encyclopedia and i'd get like shoulder pads
1: oh my god yeah did you hate doing that were you bad at it then oh, you oh, like-
0: fucking, i despised it i was really good at it and i despised it
1: i just still it like did your best and pushed through it
0: yeah i it, yeah i mean i'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning i do oh. cardio My dad wanted me to be a quarterback. So, like, during a typical summer, like, I remember summer from eighth grade to ninth grade. So, trying out for the high school football team, which is going to be this big deal. So, you have summer conditioning. So, I'd wake up at 5 a.m., do my cardio at home, do my exercises at home, my practice at home, get to football practice by 7, do football practice 7 to 3, probably during the summer. And then from 3 to 5, it'd be another at-home practice. Like, very military kind of regiment uh, style. Like, nothing but just bulking and exercising and playing out and I just I despised every bit of it. And now that I'm older and like my metabolism shutting down and like I'm feeling that mid 20s like I don't know, like weight kind of coming on and like I'm losing my uh, cardio and everything. I hate working out. Like it's yeah. almost like a negative pavlovian response. Like I ca- I became so accustomed to despise it that now as an adult it's so hard.
1: Have you tried yoga?
0: Uh yeah, I hate it. Yeah i don't i just don't abide with it yeah
1: do you think that doing all that sports did that help you in your in any way
0: yeah like i feel unkillable still to this day like just completely invincible like i'd get the shit beat out of me sun up to sun down my entire childhood and teenage years like i have the type of dad that like when i was in eighth grade he'd take me across the street to the high school and he would like have the seniors at the high school like fight me like because I have to be able to people? beat them. Yeah, you know, like, you have to be tough what? enough to beat them. That way you could beat the kids your own size or your own age. Or, like, if I was doing a tournament, like a fighting tournament, and someone – because I was, like, 111 pounds so I was 25. So if someone in a higher weight class would drop out, I would go in. Like, oh, yeah, throw a cabin in there. Fuck it. 145, it's whatever.
1: it seems like abuse.
0: Yeah, it is for sure. Very much so, yeah. Shit. Yeah, very abusive, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know – When you get to call it practice, it wipes away like, oh, I'm going to go take cabin practicing today. Like that Mm -hmm. doesn't sound terrible. And then you get there and it's like, okay, now open fast, like box me for three hours.
1: Did you try to like come up with a plan to run away from your house and like escape?
0: Yeah, I did. That was like the penultimate like thing that actually happened was like I remember I was 16 and my parents have been divorced since I was two or three. And it was like, my dad was like, it's summer. It's so the first day of summer or whatever it was. You're coming to my house for the summer. We're going to start doing football. And this is like peak teenage rebellion. Like I had the long hair. I'm listening to Slipknot and shit. Like I'm not doing this anymore, dad. So I, I literally ran away and I got a phone call from my sister. And she was like, just come back home. We're going to talk. No one's going to make you do anything. It'll be fine. And um, I we ended up getting into like a huge fight, like a physical altercation, me and my dad. Uh, I guess everything kind of culminated in that moment, like, yeah, like straight up dueling in a pizza parking lot, and it it was very kind of disillusioning too because I mean get, this is what you get for growing up in like a little redneck town, but like the cops showed up and like my sister's like bawling on the floor, I'm fucking crying, like I'm bleeding, he's bleeding, it's nasty, it's gross, everyone's fucking emotional and shit, and the cops are like, why oh, don't you be a good boy now and listen to your daddy? Uh. In that truck, listen to your daddy. Now stop making a ruckus around here. Fuck cops.
1: Did you kick his ass?
0: Um, he is fucking shredded, man. Like my dad took third in the US Open for Jiu-Jitsu, and he's very into fighting. Um, I like this I'd like to say I got a couple licks in just because it was decent. But yeah, 16-year-old versus a full-grown ass, shredded adult man who lives and breathes fighting was was wasn't probably not good like growing up i'd tell that story probably from a much more w angle than i would now Mm -hmm. but like i think it was mostly like it was very short i think we kind of headbutted each other a couple times a couple fists were thrown yeah it's you know and you talk to a lot of i don't even know if ethnicity goes into it at this point i just think because like when i think of toxic masculinity i think of my dad i think of my abuelo and when i talk to other hispanic kids they're like yeah like that's it's kind of bar for bar, my experience, too.
1: What about your abuelo? Uh
0: He's just a piece of shit. Like, apparently, like, so, like, my dad used to take me across the street to, like, the high school to, like, fight the high schoolers to get tougher. My dad told me that my abuelo would take him down to, like, bars. Holy like, shit. Yeah, down in the fucking slums of Miami. Like, he would take him down to bars to toughen him up. And honestly, like, I wouldn't, if I could go back in time and give myself a nicer childhood, I probably wouldn't. Really? Yeah, well, I think people with easy childhoods just end up more, like, boring, maybe. Yeah. Like, there's no context there, like, for the for the heart and the soul. Also, like I was saying, like, I feel like I could walk into traffic right now, and, like, I'd be fine, probably.
1: You could take on the cars coming on?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd eat it. I'd eat it for sure.
1: Has he read your writing? No, fuck no. No.
0: And that's the weird thing, too, is I get a lot of my artistic ambition from him. Like, he wanted to be, he actually told me, we talk now, like, we're on a pretty decent basis now. I think he realized there were some rights and wrongs that went on, um, which is good. But he, like, always wanted to be an animator, he told me growing up. Really? Yeah. So like one day when I was a teenager, I found like all these old sketchbooks filled with like really good drawings. And then I was like, why don't we talk about this? Like, I Mm -hmm. (laughs) feel like we playing football. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. This is way cooler. But I guess he gave up on that. And I have to when you got like two kids popping out and working as a construction worker, fucking 70 hours a week. He didn't have an easy life either. It's very easy for me to see how that generational system keeps going.
1: Have you ever gone to him with the idea of collaborating? Never yeah, I don't think he
0: draws anymore. actually, I just talked to him the other day, and that was my advice I gave him as I was like you should you should try drawing or painting again and I think that helped you out. I think he's getting like his midlife crisis thing where it's like you're not as close to your kids as you would be maybe if things were done a little bit better and like I think growing older probably is just isolating in general, mm-hmm. so I think he's starting to reach out now with that idea, and he's kind of like grappling i think he's like coming to consciousness it's weird to say about like a 50 something year old adult but like it's something like click i feel like like finally he like simmered down is like oh fuck i don't really like how this turned out so i was like start painting again like draw something paint something do something for yourself like you can't just work and go to bed which is what most of us do anyway
1: i think you should go to him and ask him like create a piece for like one of your back patio things you think so yeah, that might help your relationship with him.
0: Yeah, I think I think he liked my writing, maybe. Well, he maybe. Might, yeah. I don't know. My mom doesn't like it. That's for sure. She hates it. I don't think she hates it. I think for a long time she had a difficulty accepting the reality that was my experience in this world. Mm-hmm. Like as a mom, you do everything you can to like. I mean, she she's like the best mom hands down. Like she's always worked like three jobs, worked overtime, tried to give me anything I could ever want like help me get through college incredible mom. And then I think for her to like read the emotions that I never shared with her. Cause I never told her to buy the book or anything. She's always like followed me on Twitter and shit. So it was just a thing that happened. We never really talked about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then one day she just like sent me a picture of the cover and we never talked about it again.
1: Dang.
0: Like, I think that was just difficult for her to like realize and accept that like, Oh fuck. Like, there is nothing I can do at this point as a mother and like my kids struggling and it's ugly and I don't know. I think she just struggles with that. Definitely with like events that have occurred in the last like year or two with us, um, like with me living here, I think we've bridged that gap a little bit. Like it's easier for me to talk about my emotions. I think she knows where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. a little bit more and it's less like woe is me and more genuine. And like, I think she's kind of viewed it as like a teenager still, yeah. like, lashing out, like, oh, my fucking life sucks. This is terrible, which is not the case. I I mean, I've always enjoyed my life. I think I have a pretty cool life. It's just, you know, mental illness is a son of a bitch, you know, and sometimes things get hard, and it's difficult, but she's a hustler, too, so she does not accept that as an answer. She's oh. a fix-your-own-problem, yeah. like, she gets a headache, will not take a tile all type of woman.
1: Ooh. If you had a kid, would you force him into sports, and would you take him down to the school and make him get into fights?
0: <laughs> um... I don't know what I would do. I don't like today at brunch. I was looking at my niece and my nephew, and I was like, I do. N- I just. I think I'd run away. Really? I think I'd run away. Yeah.
1: If you had a kid, you'd run away from the kid.
0: I did. Yeah. I always. I used to joke with girls in college when I was like a tender revolving door. Like I've got my bag packed. Like I've got my bug out bag, and I will dip to Mexico first. Fucking thing. Like you say the word, I've got. The, I've got the money put away. We'll split it half and half. Blend that shit. But if you don't want to, I'm out.
1: Would you coerce the girl to get an abortion?
0: <laughs> I'm a strong advocate for it. Yeah, I'm a strong. I love, I love women's rights. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I thought
1: you were gonna say you love abortion. I was, like, I was
0: teetering on it.
1: <laughs> I was teetering. You write a book and just call it that. <laughs> I, love I love abortion. abortion. <laughs> there you go. Would you abort a baby if you had the chance?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like just for the experience, even just for the story, like yeah it's a mean yeah i do it like I, there's toddlers in my life that i love and mm-hmm. like my initial reaction was like you should abort that baby yeah like my best friend knocks his high school sweetheart up and i was like fuck that bro abort it so and now i go there on christmas and i'm like oh i love
1: so you grow up with like this machoism and this like toxic masculinity yeah. where do you start looking in like women's rights and things like that and like maybe looking at things from a different perspective? Yeah,
0: um, most people who meet me, let me think of like the kindest way to put this. Um, Most people think I'm gay for like a really long time because I'm very feminine. Because I think it's like an outright rejection of that masculinity. Like I kind of have like two modes. If I'm uncomfortable and I'm in public, I'm very stoic. I think very masculine. But when I'm like surrounded by my friends, very kind of just like more laid back, maybe a little more flamboyant um just in general and then like being raised like mostly by being raised by my mom because i'd only see my dad for sports and shit like i'll have conversations with people and they're they always tell me that i'm just way more feminine than they pictured me like i'll be going off about like this fucking vera bradley purse and fucking whenever i go out on dates i'm like oh my god i fucking love what you've got going on right now paisley Mm -hmm. with a double stripe brown brown on black audacious but i'm with it so i think it's helped I I like to think of myself as very 50 50 masculine and feminine. I definitely appreciate my femininity way more than my masculinity. I don't think any of my masculinity is good outside of like holding doors and saying, Yes, ma'am. I don't think any of it's good.
1: Was that a reaction to your growing up, getting into the fights and going into all these sports and things? Did you like make yourself more feminine or is it that's just a natural? I think it's just natural. I do.
0: Cause like I always tried to be as macho as possible. I think Mm -hmm. maybe when I stopped doing that, I was just more comfortable with myself. I think I'm just inherently a little more feminine, which is dope. I mean, I like it. I And no. like everywhere I go, I don't know, again, if it's being raised predominantly by my mom and like growing up with my sister or if just because I was bullied. I was bullied a lot in middle school and high school because being gay in 2008 was bad, and everyone thought I was gay. So, like, dudes didn't like me. Like, despite being on the fucking football team and quarterbacking, like, he's gay, and that's bad. So most of the boys didn't like me. I always hung out with girls. And even now, like, in a new social environment, I gravitate immediately to the women. Like, I find it much more difficult for me to like a man than it is a woman.
1: I find that as well. Is that why you like How did you become friends with Zoe, who was originally supposed to come on, but had
0: how did we start talking? And it couldn't have been the commission she did for Venice or Carnival. I don't think it was a commission. I followed Zoe in the OG days when she went by Chlamydia, which I still think is like the best username fucking
1: ever. Did you buy that? Chlamydia? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't have it. I'm a terrible no. fan, dude. I'm a trash. The chapbook that she made?
0: Um, Probably back in the day, yeah.
1: I think I, might I have, have it somewhere have it.
0: I've lost all of my all my possessions are gone now for the most part. Like I'm starting over from scratch, basically, because moving from my house into my parents' house, from my parents' house to the couch. Obviously, you can't keep a life of possessions on the couch. So I just threw it all away for the most part. Oh, like sure. I have got a box of books in, in the closet and those might be like my only books I've got left.
1: Are they the most important or just like randomly random honestly they're books i
0: accumulated over the last two years that i should have read and i never read like like i would it was still um reflexive to go on twitter before i quit doing twitter for like a long time yeah but i would still go on there and see a book i want to read and buy it and but like something there's a spark like an inherent spark missing I think right now inside of me with literature and it's just not connecting. So I bought, I have stacks of books that I bought the last year or two that I just, I'll get like 10 pages in and give up. Do
1: you think you're burnt out?
0: Um, Yeah. Like back when back patio before back patio in the soft cartel days, I was like 2021 20, and in college, I was already working full time, but I still had a lot more time for art. And I would talk to people like Zach, for example, Zach Smith would always be like, how have you done, like, where'd you find the time for this? Like, where'd you find the energy for this? And looking back, it was an extraneous amount of energy. Like I'd be at my little call center job, fucking talking to patients on the phone, like trying to get them into the hospital while editing and fucking email, reading submissions, sending. It's a lot of manpower, like behind the scenes like just the actual grind itself is a lot of time and then emotional burnout too from just dealing with people because it just I don't know somewhere along the way it stopped being the meeting new people and finding new friends and new art to appreciate started being outweighed by like the negative interactions I'd have with people online which I never thought I went out looking for like I always felt like that shit kind of just got dropped on my plate I was like I don't want to deal I don't want to deal with the bad more than I'd like to experience the good
1: Who's fighting with you?
0: I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> People, I don't know, man. People like there's just beef. I and I don't know where it came from. Like at some point, there there were like a couple writers um, that I, I always fucked with and I liked, and like I would just log on Twitter randomly one day and it'd be like, "Actually, you're a piece of shit." I'd be like, "Okay, well, fuck. That's okay. That's where we're at today." So whatever. And it happens. It happens. So there's a lot of anger and like hostility. And I just, I never really fucked with that. Like the whole point of back patio, uh, like our slogans like kick back and enjoy the breeze. Like the profile picture for back patio is literally a picture of my patio table that I took at night when I thought of the idea to do back patio. And like, I was surrounded by like all my friends having a good time. And like, I, that's what I always thought this community was, was finding friends and having a good time. Yeah, But some people take it a lot more seriously than that. And that's oh, yeah. fine. That's their prerogative. You know, you want it to be your identity, your career, whatever more you want out of writing. I just don't think that's fiscally viable in 2023. I just don't think you're going to get it. And I think if you constantly yearn for that, either success or monetary benefit or whatever it is, you're going to be pissed off all the time because you're just not going to get that shit. It's not, it's not 2009 anymore. You know, it's not 2015.
1: It's just weird because like the literary community can get a little bit snobbish and they probably think they're better than like the the communities that come out of like toxic masculinity. Yeah. But then a lot of the times they're the ones that are seemingly the ones that I follow are like fighting a lot on Twitter yep. and shit. It's the guys a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a lot of the dudes. A lot of the dudes, there's there's kind of like some toxic masculinity dude beefing. But I have noticed when um it's like feminine beef it tends to always skew like hyper liberal, which I've always found very interesting. Like I've always been a super liberally minded person. And like the Ouroboros, the left consumes itself stance is so true. Like Mm -hmm. I'll see two people with the exact same opinions fucking strangling each other over nothing. And I'm like, wow, what the fuck is going on, man? Man, This is absurd. Oh God. Yeah. Like I think most of the tensions that i might have in the literary community have probably been over like something minuscule like that like a joke i made or something that someone found out of taste or just like random random little tidbits that suddenly become these big crazy predicaments
1: yeah. and it takes away from like reading or writing that's like not even anything i wanted to ever deal with yeah it becomes Point. its
0: own its drama which yeah. which is a word i despise but like that's an, an inherent human spice like people love tension and especially when you have these very small parasocial relationships like it's very easy for you to get to think you're friends with someone or you know someone or like you expect this from someone and yeah. You feel very intimate with them because you've read like their thoughts and feelings. You've seen their heart and soul or whatever and when there's a sudden clash to that, I think people don't know how to respond.
1: Yeah, I, know, I thought- like
0: holding hands. Holding hands and kissing is dope. I fucks with that.
1: Have you thought about starting... I've asked Zach Smith this. If you guys have thought about starting a, a small podcast between you and Zach and just like shooting the shit for like 20 to 30 minutes an episode. It's, like, I think that'd be
0: so good. Zach, so here's the thing is, um, Zach is inherently a lot better at this stuff than I am. It's funny, because like back patio start was completely based on like the heart I had in literature. And then when I brought Zach on, he was like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? Like, really? I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to do like, it was like, dude, your ISBNs are all registered wrong. And like, have you been oh. keeping track of like, they're not, they're fit, they're fine. Okay. But like, he like small things, he's like, are you keeping track of like the money you're spending on like all this? Cause I'd be like, yeah, and we'll wrap the books in velvet and we'll spray them with fucking cologne. And like, he's mm-hmm. like, this is fucking awesome. But you've been in the red for two years. <laughs> like,
1: Aren't most people in the red?
0: Always, yeah. We're always in the red. I well, the thing is is we try to pay writers more than what the average base rate is. So Mm -hmm. like we're definitely in the red. And that's that's another thing I was just really bad at was cycled payments. Cause you write a contract and you're like, okay, this is simple. Like every three months I'll check the logistics and I'll send a payment and it's no big deal. And then it's seven months later and your fucking house is on fire and your life's a shit show. And you're like, holy yeah. fuck, I forgot about my homie for seven months. Fuck. And then it was like making a whole new bank account and like register. Yeah. Like I never registered back patio as an LLC or anything. So like we, I got I don't no even tax know. Benefits.
1: Fuck it. I didn't even know me. those are things you have to do. Shit. Those
0: are things I never thought about until Zach. And he, he's he's very – he's just one uh, genuinely one of the most intelligent people I've ever, like, talked to in my entire life. Zach, um, Mike, and Jock, Giacomo Pope are, like, some of the most intelligent people I've ever talked to. And it's a really interesting relationship, too, because, like, I met them – I think Zach was late 20s or early 30s, and I was, like, 20 in college, like, <laughs> drinking all the time, and, like, they kind of, like, helped – uh, they kind of help like usher me in and like show me the way and shit.
1: Do you consider uh, Back Patio to be alt lit?
0: Sure, you, why not?
1: Do you even give a shit? No. Yeah,
0: <laughs> not really. I think uh, I think it's really cool that these labels come into being. Um, also, I like the term alternative. Like, so when I think of alt lit, I think of anything outside of the mainstream, mm-hmm. which I think Back Patio falls under. And then there's this newer umbrella like cyber riding. Uh, specifically auto fiction that mm-hmm. I think is like an even more niche and incredible topic. Like if I had to, if I had to just say generally what my favorite kind of book to read is, it would be a book about a guy and something surreal or fantastical happens. I was explaining to a coworker of mine that what cyber writing was. And I was like, yeah, and you could be like a cashier and write a novel and it's incredible. And he was like, that sounds fucking terrible. That sounds so boring. I was like, I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes it
1: is. Sometimes yeah. it is, but yeah. I think
0: those little vignettes into people are so interesting because like, yeah. even when I just go grocery shopping and I'm like staring at a cashier, I'm like, who are you? What's your story? You know, yeah. and now we get to read those like little story, like Bud Smith, for example, Bud Smith, huge icon of mine. Well, yeah. I read work by him and like, that was the first time I was like, I can just be a guy who writes. I don't have to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I can just be a guy who also writes a regular dude.
1: Wow. I've never thought of it like that.
0: Yeah, I was so obsessed with this image of a writer, especially like that in that edgy, terrible, cringy early college. on the next Bukowski way. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be a writer. And I was like, I, maybe, maybe not that. Like, I just want to be a guy who writes stuff.
1: Sometimes and a lot of what I read is like more online, anyways. A lot of just articles yep. and poems and little stories. More than yeah, I read I'll take novels. that any
0: day. No, I mean, novels are beautiful, but they're just not as accessible and honestly it requires a lot less effort to read like what i would say like modern Mm -hmm. cyber indie online alt writing is i can go on twitter right now and the first thing on my timeline might be five sentences that are going to rock my world yeah and that's all the effort you need to put into it which maybe detracts from the experience a little bit like due diligence wise i think that's kind of part of the magic hold on let me let my dog out
1: you were founding back patio, where you were you inspired by other magazines? Because it did have the same like similar vibe to uh Tenderness Lit that Zoe founded.
0: Tenderness, yeah. Oh man, that that name takes me fucking back, dude. Tenderness was, was awesome. That's okay. So that's how I met Zoe. It was Tenderness.
1: Did yeah. you publish there? Or like send um up there?
0: Wow, I think I did. Or I, I know I submitted. I don't know if anything got in, but Tenderness, let me hold on. I'm gonna look it up right now, bro. I could check my email. Wow, me and yeah, wow, me and Zoe have been friends for a minute. No, I don't think I published anything at Tenderness, I might have, but I guarantee you what happened was, um, like I think it's a weird thing with new writers, like you go online and you follow all these magazines as many magazines as possible, follow as many yeah. people as possible. And she probably just ended up being one of those names that I clicked. And I just resonated with whatever. She's funny. She's a funny girl. So I think I think we just like muted, mutualed ourselves into being. It was tender. It was cute. Yeah, it was like, it was cute, but cutting. And like, I had this very comfy color palette. Like, it's weird to put, not to sound like a dork, but like to put a it color was, palette to words. Like, it was. Uh, and it was what? like
1: so simplistic. Uh,
0: yeah, it was simple and it was pretty and it was delicate. And I really liked that a lot. That's
1: what I liked about Shabby Dollhouse. It was like, it came out a little bit before uh, Tenderness Lit.
0: Tenderness. That brings me back, man. Just like finding new, ma- like that. See, that's what I'm talking about. When I say spark, like that's what's gone. Like, I, I don't want to go on Twitter and find new magazines anymore or meet people or like I'm. I just don't have that hold on my mom's here give me a second she's so fucking cute bro she's so cute she just got back from showing a house she's in her little skirt looking all good little you're warm. so nice about your mom she's the best mom in the world i think probably yeah yeah and it sucks because like especially when i was a teenager like i was never home like definitely making up for lost time now i think it's like i was i was literally never home between 15 and 18 and then i went to college and they didn't hear from me for, like, three years. So, what can you do? Know.
1: So, I want to go back to the magazine stuff. Mm-hmm. What other magazines do you, like, have that same feeling with that you have to do with Tinder? New York Tyrant. Really? Yeah, I love New York. You know, York. he was reluctant to, like, start an internet, like, zine. Really? Well, because he started one with, like, uh, it was, like, in his paperback. hmm And then he did the publishing with the books it it seemed like he was reluctant to start but then once he started it really got going
0: pigeonholes as well as another one
1: huh did you ever talk to GM or jean john Sean? um i think
0: once when sean was working under new york because that's when i put a couple poems out king of the sewer rats from
1: yeah.
0: from this i put out on new york but no, I never really got to, like, sit down and have a really good conversation with Gian. But from the people I, like, have talked to that he was friends with, like, just an enigma.
1: Yeah, like, was it was fucking... Absolute enigma. Do you think people I've were... Seen
0: f- writers, too. Like, Corey. I haven't seen Corey in a minute.
1: Do you think people are going to refer to you as an enigma?
0: I don't think so. I think I'll probably get forgotten pretty quick. What? I, think so. I yeah. don't think so.
1: Dude, um, like, before you're coming in, like the you you guys did a back patio did a misery loves company with misery tourism a reading live reading that they hold every friday but like before like you came in everyone was like there was just like this excitement in the air that like cabin was going to come in (laughs) or he might miss it because there was something going on
0: that's cute man i'm glad i'm glad like i have a lot of fucking adore you i'm i'm glad i'm glad that there's a net positive interaction Cause like I guess I've been getting so much dust and flack lately that I forget about those interactions too. I was talking to Tyler Dempsey about um, him submitting to Soft Cartel. It was either Soft Cartel or Backtaddy. I want to say it was Soft Cartel, and it just brought me back to that like golden pony boy kind of feeling. Like I uh, like just sending submission, sending submission acceptances was the most incredible feeling in the world. Like, really? just be like, I fucking love this. This is incredible. Let's run it, please. Like, that energy, so palpable. And you meet so many people, and then I still see them publishing. Like, there's some people I see putting stories out that I know we were their first piece. And, like, that was always kind of the concept with Back Patio and Soft Cartel was low bar entry. Like, I don't care what your cloud is. I don't care what you got on your roster. First of all, putting publishing credits in your bio is corny. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. that. Now. I think it's corny. Yeah. I, I think your um, author bio should be two sentences and it should be like, I think mine is cabin um, lives in Florida with his dog. He founded back patio press. Cause it was fun. Publishing credits are corny or like push cart nominated. I can nominate someone for a push cart right now.
1: You could because you actually run a press.
0: Yeah. And we, we did that. It did. It felt good. It felt cool. I don't know. I don't want to dog on people's accomplishments. I think it's awesome. It's just... But you know,
1: the, the funny thing is, is, like, I got, like, the first, like, push cart. Uh, I bought, like, the book or something. And, it's yeah. like, the original, like, idea was supposed to be, like, it was, like, soft cartel or, like, back patio where yeah. like, people that you otherwise wouldn't see. And I think it's funny because, like, over <laughs> time, people just assume it becomes, like, this institution. But, like, yeah. everyone just makes fun of it.
0: Yeah, it's... It, yeah, everything starts off with good intentions, right? Or most yeah. places start off with good intentions. And that was the thing with Soft Cartel. Um, Soft Cartel went through a lot of hands before it got to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, Back Patio wouldn't exist, and I would have never gotten as popular as my writing did if um, Justin and Base Mountain, the previous editors, who were currently running Soft Cartel, because it has a complicated beginning from there. I think Calvin Wastro was super involved with that at the beginning. Uh, and one day Justin was just like, I don't think this is doing it for me anymore. You want to try? And I was like, I, I had like three stories published at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just emailed Justin back and forth a couple times. And he was literally like, here are the keys. Like,
1: so here's like, the he login was, information. He was burnt out.
0: I think so. Yeah. I think he was burnt out from it.
1: So, what is Soft Cartel? I've heard of it.
0: Uh, it was just like a, another online mag. I'm I'm actually sure. oh, i'm not wearing the shirt right now i thought i was but uh yeah it was like an all all indie mag
1: i'm sure i would know what it is if i saw the website because it's something i hear it very was very uh often.
0: vaporwave aesthetic mm-hmm. initially yeah and i published like two stories there and i think justin said like you have a good energy i think you'd be good at this you want to try i was like okay i'll try yeah like i think i did internet things out of spite of college, like out of spite of a foundational or educational institution. Cause I really did not like the program at all. I didn't like the professors. I didn't like the kids I was writing with. I did not like um, the MFA. I was going to get my MFA originally. And Mm -hmm. it was the craziest fucking interaction I've ever had. God bless this professor. I won't name drop him, but like I submitted my resume, whatever the fuck they call it for my MFA. And one of the professors reached out to me and was like we would accept this but we don't like the fact that there's a talking animal in one of your stories it's like it's too fantastical and that was a story i published on soft cartel and that's when i knew i was like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and it's a racket the whole college thing's a complete racket man like
1: that's so bullshit though like a talking fucking animal yeah, and it was a oh, really too, good story. That's too, too fantastical. That's it's too, too creative. Fantastical. Yeah. It's, like, called, it's called creative writing. You're supposed to be fucking creative.
0: <laughs> and like my biggest inspiration at the time was um, Edgar Kareet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly, but he's an Israeli writer, I want to say. And I think he's the best short story writer of all time. And it's yeah. very heavy surreal elements, talking animals, mystical. Like it, again, it's like my favorite thing to read is taking a fantastical or surreal element and plugging it into an everyday. Interaction in order to highlight the interaction, talk about whatever you want to talk about between the lines. Right. You use this fantastical element. So that's what I thought of as like good short story writing. And they're like, Mm -hmm. take out the talking bird and you're good. And I was like, without the talking bird, the story (laughs) is meaningless. (laughs) The talking birds like the whole point (laughs) That's the whole. central focus, man.
1: (laughs) Have you read a Salmon by Sebastian Castillo? No, but Sebastian
0: has interested me for a long time. He just seems like a really interesting dude. I follow him.
1: He totally Steve. is. Sebastian. You guys got to do something with him.
0: Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I tried to set it up.
1: No, I've had
0: this book in my fucking cart on Amazon for six years.
1: Six years? It came out just this year.
0: Oh, then I haven't. Yeah. Why does this cover look so fucking familiar? Maybe you did buy it. No. I don't think so. I think it's just kind of has that look to it. Yeah. Like that basic 2D.
1: He mentions Zach we, in the book. If you
0: and Zach aren't friends, then you like are probably a genuinely angry, bitter human being. Like, he's also like, just like a, like on top of being hyper intelligent, like one of the warmest people. Yeah. I've ever talked to. So whenever I see people like shitting on Zach or being mad at Zach, like I can only assume they're jaded about some outlier. Because Zach is just a guy who like raises his kids and feeds his chickens and fucking calls it a day.
1: You know, what did you not like about college?
0: Um, first of all, I didn't take college seriously, which is my mm-hmm. fault.
1: Because um, you were so smart though,
0: well, because I was engaging with online literature and I was producing my own work at this point. So, like, when I was comparing myself to other people in college, I was like, This is I'm beyond this, which mm-hmm. is arrogant and silly.
1: But that's how but kids I, are, that's how you are when you're young. Yeah. I think they should be when you're young.
0: Yeah, I was like I'm beyond this, I'm better than this whatever blah blah blah. Um and then also just getting an art degree, like I just I just had um a family friend of mine, like a younger family friend of mine was like I want to get um a journalism degree. And I was like do you want to write for BuzzFeed
1: mm-hmm.
0: or do you want to write Amazon SEO product descriptions? Yeah. Because the reality of getting a journal like unless you want to do high production value like youtube essays on very niche topics or you want to write for buzzfeed not a lot to do with that degree like i know i kind of just regret not getting a degree in science or something
1: you got an art degree
0: yeah i I, it's yeah
1: what were you going for what was your aspirations
0: i wanted to be the next bukowski man
1: do they not have like an english degree
0: uh it's a it's a creative writing bachelor of arts
1: oh okay yeah so even more useless
0: than just like a language arts degree but there Uh, were some really good classes like there were mm -hmm. there were some classes i took that i think were genuinely engaging and like i took a nature writing course with this 65 year old hippie lady and she Mm -hmm. was like of the opinion everything is nature you can write about anything you want nature writing and that was the first time I got like really into sci-fi, like talking about like space and rocks and minerals and all of these different like cosmological concepts. So that like there were good courses, but then interacting with professors who are usually jaded, failed writers themselves. Like my very first CRW professor was like, "You're all going to fail. This is a waste oh, of time."
1: God, yeah, we had kind of. Someone like that it was just like tough, really tough on everyone. Yeah, it's just totally... like
0: no. Continue.
1: Like the academic thing, like failed writers, I feel like there's like an, there's like academic communities. They publish their poetry through college presses, yep. but it's like their own little community that no one outside yep. of that kind of reads. You can't
0: break into it. They take themselves super seriously, and it's uh, the academics. Academics in any area, I think, can be somewhat insufferable, but especially with the arts. It's yeah. like real fart-huffing scenarios there the i year got year. a friend who had pursued the mf degree and he would text me like you would not believe how much these people love themselves like I, I i just couldn't do that
1: so okay when you're in college did you meet any peers or any writers that were also into the internet communities or did you find how did you find it out all by yourself i don't know
0: okay so actually my very first telling short story i ever published came out in a furry magazine wait what yeah and i had no idea what,
1: what's the magazine's
0: name oh, fuck. i can't remember but i probably furry have the cover somewhere no and it was like a horror sci-fi piece that i submitted but it was like their horror adjacent press i think i think it was literally called weasel press And I like I looked it up after I published because I was like so proud of myself. I was like, oh, my God. And I like sent it to my friend I was in class with. And they were like, dude, what the fuck is going on in this website? What are you talking about? I went on there and there's like MS Paint crude 2D furry drawings. It's nice.
1: But I'm an OG
0: Twitter user. Like
1: I wish there was like a literary furry magazine. That would be badass. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They should. They should do more. Micah, where are you at? Micah needs to drop it. Who's Micah? Micah, Tokyo Vamp. I don't know that. At Tokyo Vamp. I th- damn, am I like, am I out of bounds saying Micah is a furry? I feel like Micah's posted a bunch of furry shit before. She she worked, what'd she do? I think it was surfaces. Maybe. Oh. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm really bad at paying attention to anything anyone else is doing. Like I'm really <laughs> in my own bubble. Like back patio was like all I gave a shit about.
1: How did you come up i get i know you're working at soft cartel uh right. how do you where do you go i want to create my own thing and then you have that ambition to go do it were you still at college or were you already out of college
0: yeah i think i was 20 or 21. so i was still in college and base mountain was the poetry editor for soft cartel and soft cartel had gotten so big that it started becoming uh like a status thing like i got in soft cartel and that mm-hmm. kind of defeats the purpose of being a low bar entry magazine like we just want to fuck around fuck around you know yeah. like, we don't want to be a thing we don't want it doesn't need to be any more than that so he was like i want to shut it down and as like a co-pilot i didn't have any right to be like no keep soft cartel going mm-hmm. and i had published my first book under soft cartel like uh craig rogers ghost of mile 43 was the first time i had ever typeset edited and published A book, so I immediately fell in love with that because, like, it's it's a whole different experience. You could put people's stories online, and that's awesome. But when you commission a cover and you put it together and you typeset it, you take the font, you work with this person over months, and then you're holding it in your hand. Like that book will exist until the day someone destroys it. it. Feels so much more permanent and meaningful. And I wanted to keep doing it, but they wanted to close Soft Cartel, so I was like, back patio
1: you have such like pride and like glee when you're talking about like creating a book like you love it. you really love this shit.
0: yeah it um it was like it was see i'm already saying it was like i've totally given up on it which i have it it's there it's still there it's um i just had to sort my shit out i think the past couple of years but it, the whole process like going into indesign typesetting picking the font um the first book we put out on back patio for example photographs of madness was originally a small series on soft cartel and it's a horror piece and it deals with a lot of like have you ever read um house of leaves
1: no but i know people who had that book and carried it around
0: it's very similar in style to house of leaves like the jarring dramatic change in fonts and tenses and word size and color and i was playing with black pages and like doing all this experiment you're being creative yeah and it it was really fun like even still um like design fundamentals that i will not stray from when i publish a book i do not put titles and i do not put page numbers i'll show you right now there's not a single fucking title in this book and there's not a single fucking page number there's no reason for you to be like page night page 96 of and it just looks better like it's just it's a prettier it's like it's flat static it's pretty it's soft it's and then Zach and Giacomo go a step further, and they're like fucking complete font nerds. Giacomo, when he made 50 barn blurbs, when Zach published 50 barn books with uh, Clash, was the most pristine, like as an object to hold in my hand, the most beautiful book I've ever seen. The cover, the weight of the paper, the feel, the font, it, it's immaculate design. Like those guys take it a step further.
1: What's they're, like a A very macro detail that most people wouldn't even think about that when goes into like something that you really are very hard set like believing on
0: with publishing
1: yeah maybe on the internet or in a book hmm what do you mean by macro like big picture like no like very very small very small micro like macro macro Macro. i think macro is below micro okay
0: yeah i failed photography it's hard to do, but I did it. Um, <laughs> <in class. laughs> did you really? <laughs> um, nah, I passed. Okay. I well, passed, like, but me and the, that teacher was also my English teacher, so we were tight. Oh
1: God, yeah. Oh, the page number thing, like maybe people wouldn't yeah. think about page numbers or you said, like, um, the weight of the paper. Maybe is there like a, a paper type weight, of paper?
0: paper type, paper weight? There's different shades, um, like off, off white, beige, different colors. Uh, paper weight will go a long way. Like, if you can see through a page, like most of our books, especially if you get the KDP version printed off of Amazon, you can see right through the page.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fuck that. You shouldn't be able to see through a page.
1: Um, do you think Back Patio is a spinoff from Soft Cartel? I definitely think so. I, I like, think
0: Soft Cartel and the friends I made at that time built my idea of what I thought publishing should be. So, in so that sense, it's a spiritual successor.
1: Without Soft Cartel, there's no back patio. No. And do you, there wouldn't do you
0: be help? me without Soft Cartel. Like, my experience with Justin, the editor. Um, so, like, the experience with submitting is the big thing I wanted to address with Back Patio because there's this power dynamic that exists that I think is stupid. Just because mm-hmm. I came up with a name for a fucking thing and I made a Twitter account and I asked you to send me writing doesn't mean you need to hit me with a dear esteemed editors of yeah like that relationship I think is weird and stupid. There doesn't need to be a power dynamic. And when I sub- I was submitting stories like that to people all the time, like dear, blah, blah, blah. I was trying to be all formal and like intelligent and mm-hmm. articulated and well put together. And then I submitted to the soft cartel and Justin hit me back with an email like all in undercase which is still something i do now sometimes when i'm writing or just typing as like this fucking rocks i want to publish it you cool with that and i was like whoa wow <laughs> yeah. what a what a relationship this is like to not have that faux sense of industry like just be two people talking and writing I, and publishing.
1: i try to create so many lip mags and the fucking about page gives me the biggest fucking headaches Because everyone's about pages are so fucking good. I feel like I have to create like (laughs) the best fucking about page, and I can't ever fucking do it. And so I don't create the magazine. I mean, there's other reasons why I don't create it, but right
0: about page, man, that's so funny. Because like, I think I don't think we've edited ours, and I think it's like three sentences. I don't even know what it says. Like, Back Patio is just a WordPress site. Like, (laughs) anyone can do that. I think that's a really important facet of it, too, is like that accessibility.
1: Yeah. What are some magazines that you really like right now? You don't like read magazines, do you?
0: No, I don't read anything.
1: If someone's starting one, what would you suggest?
0: If someone were to start a magazine right now, I'd say solicit your friends first.
1: Uh Uh-huh. What if they have no friends?
0: Solicit people you like. Solicit. Don't ask for open subs. Solicit.
1: Yeah, because like no one, no one does. If you do open subs, no one's gonna submit to it unless they know about it.
0: Yeah, well, or they'll just submit any bullshit ass thing they have. Like, really? There, there are some people like I'll see pictures on Twitter of people's submitables accounts, and they have like three hundred subs out, and it's like there's no way a you know three hundred magazines or pay attention to their content or their theme or their view or anything they give a shit about. If you're submitting 300 fucking like you took that story and you submitted it to 75 random ass journals that happen to be open on submittable. Like, so you'll just get stuff. And I get a lot of stuff like that for Back Patio. Like Back Patio is a very specific niche and it's outlined. Like when I want submissions, I want regular slice of life, weird, crazy, gritty bullshit. Mm -hmm. And like people will be like, this is my cowboy novel I wrote. Do you want to publish this book? Like, no, I don't want to publish your Western. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I really don't. That's another crazy thing, too, is, like, the, um, like, people think that, like, you owe them something, which I think is crazy. Like, a lot of people will get mad if I don't, like, respond to a DM from them. Like, a, a person I've never talked to will be like, I'm working on a story, and if I yeah. don't reply to it, they'll send me, like, a DM, like, two weeks later. Like, oh, I guess you're too good for me now. It's like, no, I just don't know you. I don't, I have no. You think no... it's
1: because you run a press they expect you? Yes. To be 110%. 150 percent yeah all the time and
0: that's kind of what took the fun out of it too because like that was my favorite thing was having those organic conversations with people like talk to someone first discover their writing after and -hmm. then i started to notice too um people were like trojan horsing their writing into our interactions so like they'd start like favoriting a tweet replying to a tweet send me a dm and then it all it would all come forward like Also, I know submissions aren't open right now, but would you like to read my story? Like, damn, you put in in all that work for this.
1: That's what I fear about what I do with my podcast. It'll come. I start talking to people. I mean, I felt like that with you. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Because I knew I wanted you on at some point. I mean, obviously. Um, Did you feel like I was doing that to you? No.
0: I thought it was pretty organic. I don't respond to people who I don't think are organic anymore. I just don't have the time for it or the capacity for it.
1: I faked you out then. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You got me, man. Over the eyes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I think there's a lot of interesting phenomenon going on with podcasts too.
1: Like, yes, there's so many right now. There's so many. There's
0: so many podcasts and a lot of them are just not very interesting.
1: Yeah, At you all. think which ones?
0: I'm not gonna name drop.
1: Oh man. No drop. one
0: likes to name drop on here. I'm not gonna name drop. Um, you know, it's funny because like back in the day, I would that's another thing Zach will do. Zach will name drop like a motherfucker. He does not care. I just um I hate tension. Like I think again, like looping it back to my childhood, like now as an adult, I just avoid friction and tension as much as possible. Um, but like a lot of people will hop on podcasts and I think they're less interested in having like a conversation with the host yeah. than they are having a conversation with the audience. And that's so fucking boring.
1: Like they talk to the audience so they don't talk yeah. to the
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, talk to the person in front of you. Like yeah. interact with the human being that you're communicating with right now. Not some yeah. weird between the lines roundabout way to like sound smart
1: or promote fuck. your shit.
0: Yeah, promote your shit. It's all it's all a promotion.
1: Yeah, Doug the better the
0: promo game locked.
1: I think the better episodes I do are with people I'm fans of and people I'm interested in, because some people like I'm just not into. I don't know. I'm gonna edit that part <laughs> out. But anyway, oh, see
0: that's what I'm talking about. It's like these roundabout ways. Yeah, like, you never know what people are plotting, man. Like,
1: I'm like, it... I guess people because I just like it's just a podcast. Like, not that many people listen right. to it. Sorry, right. and like they act like it's some big. I don't know. It's another
0: thing to put on their author bio. That's for damn sure.
1: Yeah, but it's cool that they would put mine on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, plug, I didn't even know
1: I could put this on my resume. I just found that out like the other really? day. I was like, oh, cool, because I haven't had a job in a while.
0: I um, when I applied to my most recent job, I didn't realize that I had printed the wrong resume. Oh, really? And I handed it over to my soon-to-be new employer, and the first thing he said to me was, "Oh, what's back, what's back patio press?" And I fucking died,
1: died on
0: the inside. Yeah, I was just like, "That's a no." That's just some silly thing I did in college. You don't
1: want them to know about it.
0: it. Yeah, you don't need to look into that. That's just a thing I did in college.
1: Does it not help you though? No, it's always a detractor.
0: It's always a detractor. It's always bad. It's always terrible. There's there's this idea that if you're going to be a public facing individual, that you can't be a person, and you have to be a caricature.
1: What do you and mean it's
0: by bizarre that? bizarre to me. Um, like.
1: Like brand yeah, presenting?
0: Yes. 110% all the time. And that's so bizarre to me, especially in the position I'm in now. Because when you stop presenting and you just act like a human being, things work out so much better. And people appreciate it. I mm-hmm. think that goes for like any aspect in life. Like wearing a mask, people will always know. Yeah. If you're wearing a mask and you can either come across as disingenuine or you can come across as yourself. I don't think there's a lot of in betweens Like a spit, like I know when I'm looking at a person and I shake their hand and they're smiling at me, I know mm-hmm. when it's bullshit. Yeah. And I'd rather than just be like, "Hey, what's up?"
1: Yeah. I uh, I want to go back to the point you made a long time ago. Okay. I think do you have to go pretty soon? Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah i thought you were gay dude like for like a long time <laughs> I was a little disappointed when i found out you weren't but it's when funny. i was yeah um
0: god dude i, I fucking wish dude like, when i was
1: reading your stories like you should edit this into a boyfriend instead of a girlfriend <laughs> i think it would make it a lot better
0: <laughs> oh that's so that's so fucking funny i mean i'm gay for the homies that's for damn sure there you go yeah i kiss the homies um you yeah, kiss the homies? I kiss the homies, yeah. There you go. You have to. You have to kiss the homies. That's another thing about toxic masculinity that's lame is like not appreciate, like, not appreciating your friends. Mm-hmm. So stupid.
1: Have you done drag? Um,
0: no. Yes. no, no, I I have not, but you're nodding your head. I so for Halloween this year, I was gonna do the cat maid. and i ended up getting sick and not being able to go to the party but i will say my i every time i put on my ex-girlfriend's clothes i felt like fucking sailor moon
1: like i could stop the world did you put on sailor moon's clothes
0: um similar yeah like like i would order her clothes and i'd wear them like to send her pictures like your skirt came in and -hmm. like the first time i ever put a skirt on that my first thought was like i could kick so high right now I could I could kick an apple off of Abraham Lincoln if I wanted.
1: I feel like that's drag. I mean, yeah, because you're doing it for a performance a little <laughs> bit.
0: I'm definitely a performer too.
1: Yeah, you're an entertainer. I think you have like that that X factor. That oh X factor. yeah,
0: like my Buffalo Bill performance has been perfected over the years. Yeah, yeah that that the um would you fuck me I would fuck me scene I've got mm-hmm. it down with the hat Cat, the bro give you me you a gotta,
1: you got to perform that at a event.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next MLC. Yeah. Next MLC. Yeah, first.
1: totally. Dude, they think, t- like Will Dura like that. They're like their entire like vibe and style is totally what you're describing earlier. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. They're like
0: they're yeah. And
1: they said they say like Will like says that he's like I'm not really. It's kind of arbitrary sometimes what we choose and what we don't choose. Right.
0: It's so funny too because like knowing Will he's so or they're so sweet and like tender and like caring and they love art so much but mm-hmm. when like they first started were operating in the scene everyone was like this is a this is a right-wing flag whistle this person's shitty like they were all going for him
1: yeah for no i thought they reason. were right-wing dude i thought they were yeah because that's the
0: narrative that got generated was just like this person's a right-winged bigot fucking blah, blah, blah. and then yeah. like fast forward three years Sweet, one of the sweetest people I've met like doing this ever. Such a sweetie, such a sweetie. MLC is something else, I gotta stop by more often.
1: That's you need to totally.
0: I was doing, um, I was, I was, um, volunteering Friday nights, but I don't anymore, so I've got it. We
1: got Friday, oh, you're night. doing the, the bowling thing, yeah. I was
0: bowling, I was helping kids' youth bowl, which I'm not good at, so. But your kids
1: did amazing, and they won the championship.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's the story. That's the story I'll tell on my next date for sure. Yeah.
1: And I'll Photoshop
0: the picture. I'll get my AI generated picture of like us holding a trophy.
1: Yes. (laughs) Have you thought about using AI generated art for like a piece to put on back patio, like Um, as a shit post? Or no, like like you got like a a poem that you're gonna publish but then you have like accompanying art for it. Would you ever seriously use like generated art?
0: Um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I like the human element, especially cause like my roots are in visual art, painting and drawing.
1: For real? I love,
0: yeah, I love that visual element. But me and a couple of friends back in the day as like a ship post, this is in like 2019, 2020, before AI was even a big thing, would AI generate? <laughs> shit to submit to different magazines and see if it would get in, and it got in a lot. Like a, a bigger chunk than you'd think, and like some ludicrous shit.
1: To tie this interview all around, okay, I think you should take your dad's art pieces and post them on Back Patio for when you publish pieces. <laughs> Hell yeah. There you I, go. You know, I
0: need to follow up with him, actually, and see if he because did
1: something. It would make the community less white as well. Yeah, we'll get a Latino
0: man in there yeah yeah a latino dude that's so fucking funny, you know, and that's a really interesting thing too is i I don't know I think like there's not a lot of humor left in on the scene like I made a joke on Twitter about um like the indie lit scene being racist and heterophobic, mm-hmm. and immediately like I just it felt is. like a tense like oh, this is gonna this is not gonna go over well.
1: That's hilarious. So, I, mean, I think it's
0: so funny because like, yeah, like the bigger joke at hand is obviously fucking it's a white male dominated space, right? And we need more minority voices, so why not flip that on its head? But nuance like that is too, <laughs> too deep yeah. for a lot of these chronically online writers.
1: Yeah, people don't want to think about it. Or yeah. even think about yeah, it's too big of an issue to like try and solve. Yeah, I think a, a lot of like down. I think a lot of minorities are in the like slam poetry.
0: Yeah, every time I've been to a poetry event here in Orlando, Orlando itself is a very diverse place. I think we're like one of the largest gay populations.
1: Every city um, has that claim.
0: Yeah, that's what Tell <laughs> said. They're like,
1: oh, it has the most gay people. We have so people. many gays.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got like I bet there is at least thirty for sure. Yeah, maybe even fifty.
1: A hundred. Yeah. Well, they're probably all moving out because of Desantis. Yeah.
0: Yeah, DeSantis is... A great governor. Uh, that Sometimes I just say that. Like, when I'm communicating at work and we can't do something because it goes against fuck, some kind of stupid legislation, I'll just go, DeSantis. And then I have friends in the same industry in other states and they're like, it's the complete opposite.
1: I've never shit over things. in other places. I know it's shit in Tulsa. Really? Like, me, yeah, there's a teacher that did a joke like TikTok about Oh, making kids read like uh liberal stuff and trying to make them gay or trans and like fucking fired immediately. No, a, gov- a governor retweeted it or like the head of education retweeted it and then the first few days like people were calling in bomb threats to schools in Tulsa and like it became this huge news story. It's, it's so like,
0: it's so interesting. Oh yeah. Like on one hand, you don't want to give the position uh any money or like social credit and then on the other hand you want to hold them directly responsible for the entire future
1: mm-hmm.
0: you gotta pick one man either more important or we're not <laughs> you know <laughs> like, yeah.
1: so okay i guess i'll let you go pretty soon like 6 15
0: yeah i think yeah yeah do you have any last last minute
1: cues so what uh what makes you happy i guess what gets you through the day how do you decompress
0: um so that's been like my inherent struggle i think the last two years is i went from being a man of many like a a genuine hedonist like i know a lot of people say this but like i was a genuine hedonist i mean chasing it anything anything pleasurable or feeling good and none of it was good for you and i would chase it incessantly 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 and then i got put in a social position where that just wasn't possible anymore It was a black or white, either you live or you don't scenario. And I think my mom always tells me that not every day is a party is what Mm -hmm. she'll tell me. And I think like falling in love with normalcy has been very difficult, but very, very rewarding. Like I've definitely been looking to her as a role model because like everything from like your egg being cooked just right at breakfast to a fucking mm-hmm. sunset like all these minuscule moments she's able to like latch onto and build some beautiful thing out of and i definitely feel like i'm still puppeting right now like i'm uh-huh. still just going through the motions of achieving that kind of um love with normalcy and the mundane existence but i think that's probably as close as you can get
1: okay. it's like yeah.
0: just accepting it norm like it's so it's so fucking corny like I feel like such a suburban dad but like when I wake up in the morning I go outside and
1: yeah it's gotta have a routine dude
0: yeah routine routine is routine routine and rules that keeps me right in place
1: yeah I was trying to get because sometimes you just got to get through the day and you just know what's coming up and it's so familiar
0: it's so funny too because like even in college or in high school like I was always like I'm gonna be an artist I couldn't work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. I'd go crazy if I did the same thing. Dude, again.
1: everyone says that. Everyone. Right. And,
0: and then, then you you're 27 up. and you're like, fuck, dude. I love knowing that at 3:30 today, I'm done. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Normalcy is pretty dope. Normalcy can be good.
1: And then, and they then get all the can... weird shit out in your art, you know.
0: Yeah. It well, yeah, exactly. Like you purge and then you smile. Purge and smile. That's gonna be, I think, my biggest conflict. I'd like to work. I'm sitting on two books right now. Zach wants to publish, and then there was nothing, which is the book I wrote in 2021-2022, which I had no interest in publishing. That's when I read at MLC. And mm-hmm. people were like, publish it. It's like, fuck it. Okay. I have that book, and I have Notes from the Couch. MD wants to put out Notes from the Couch. Zach wants to put out, and then there was nothing. But both of those books are still very rooted and like an unfortunate existence like i'm not very happy when i was writing those books and i want to write another book but it's really hard to do so when you're like content like my my shtick has always been like struggle and sacrifice and fear and blood and glass
1: but do you think with those books maybe it's not you maybe it's more for an audience and what the readers will get out of it
0: um i think to an extent but i definitely write like for myself number one
1: well yeah but you write for yourself but now that you're out of a place where you're not to publish place, it
0: it would be for others. Yeah. Like I don't need to be heard or seen. Like it, honestly I would just do it for fun and also so people can tell me that I'm good at writing and I'll go thank you.
1: But does that make you feel better?
0: It does. Yeah. It really does. My laptop's about to die.
1: Oh, okay. So, uh, do you have anything you want to say? Thank you for having me on. Thank you for this was coming. Nice. Yeah, this was fun. So I don't
0: awesome. I don't get to do a lot of stuff like this anymore because I'm not so active.
1: This is this a way to fun. promote patio, though, because you're still kind of in yeah. it if you're promoting it and talking about it. I did do the last
0: round of final submissions, so like really all the hard work was done by Kurt and Zach, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still there. I'll get back to it. I think Zach's kind of taken a little bit of a backseat right now, too, to work on his life. I'm working on my life, but I think it's also just more enjoyable that way. Like instead of a routine and a schedule, like when you get hit with inspiration and you want to do something, you do it. And then when you yeah. don't, you don't. You don't have to put out four books a year. You know,
1: that's a, that's a lot, lot, lot of, of books. books.
0: It, that was our that was our um cycle. I want to say it was for a year, yeah. And ten ISBNs is three hundred and fifty dollars. So what is ten ISBNs?
1: The, oh yeah, the code. Uh, I oh, you're yeah. saying something else. <laughs> it was like a drug thing. I was like, what? Is it going ice?
0: <laughs> yeah, so so's a big bag of ice. No. <laughs> ice Yeah. Alright. Beautiful. Well, thanks for having me on, Tyler. I appreciate it. I'll text you that shit that happened this week because it's awesome. you're going to be like, I can't believe it.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. This was really cool. Yeah, this was Love good. You. Thank you. No I'll problem. tell Zoe
0: she missed out. And she's a fucking... Rookie.
1: You can <laughs> say whatever you want
0: to. I'll say you're a dork, dude. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah.
1: We're all dorks
0: yeah. out here. <laughs> Alright, have a good night, man. You too. Thank you.
1: See you. And that was Kevin Gonzalez from Backyard Patio. Back patio. He was great at talking. He was fun to hang out with. I really enjoyed that.
0: Um, Kevin lives in Florida with his daughter. He founded Back Patio Press because it was fun.